dear Father in heaven, as we come before thee, as we assemble in the name of thy son Jesus, we claim the promises that are contained in the scripture. We ask for thy presence in a special way in our gathering, um, a presence that is um, not the same as when we are individually communing with thee, though thy Holy Spirit is not bound and the benefits and the blessings that he can administer to each one of us individually are above and beyond what we can imagine, dear Father. We know there is a special blessing of gathering together around that word, of reading from it, of encouraging each other, and we don't want to forsake that. We don't want to, um, especially in these times, dear Father, we do thank thee for it. We, we give thee uh, thanks and praise for this opportunity. This is a special moment. Dear Father, as we open this word, we would ask that thou wouldst uh, bring forth out of it what we need to hear, each one of us. Thou, the good shepherd, the Father in heaven, who knows each one of thy sheep individually, who knows each little lamb, how he or she is struggling, what they need, the pitfalls that they could be about to fall into or are currently snared in. Thy means of rescue is the word. It's this word that we're going to read, which we're going to, to meditate upon each one of us as we think on it through the, through the help of thy Holy Spirit. That's the means to rescue us. Dear Father, we pray for all of those throughout this whole earth this day that are under the hearing of the word, that are um, gathered together in many different forms, to ways we can't conceive of, even um, little crowded places, maybe large groups, who knows? Dear Father, only thou dost know. We pray that thy word would have its effect. It would go up, that good seed would be spread on, on fertile ground, that it would perpetuate, that uh, from that, that more good seed would, would be spread abroad, and, and thy word would continue, thy, thy gospel would extend as we sang in the hymn already. Dear Father, uh, we pray for those that are laboring in that, those that are laboring in the vineyard. We pray that more. Workers would be sent to that harvest. We pray that um, there would be willingness on the part of thy servants to go wherever thou, thou dost command, in the backyards, in the front yards, and across the world, wherever it would be, dear Father, who would have willing hearts that would be like thy son who said, Lo, here I am, Lord, send me. Dear Father, we pray for those that feel physically bound at this moment, who, who are feel constrained by, by sickness and by disease, who feel maybe some ways that they cannot be sent or uh, they are not useful in that kingdom. Dear Father, we assure them in their hearts at this moment uh, and the days ahead, however long their trial endures, that they are uh, being used by thee, even if they lie in a bed. Help us, dear Father. They are showing forth faith and trust. They are honoring Thee in, in, in what Thou hast given them to endure. Help them, dear Father, strengthen them. We pray for those that are not part of Thy kingdom, those that are running from Thee, maybe even um, in, in the current situation where we are, have found it easier to run from Thee and to hide and to make excuses and to say that they don't really need to pay attention listen to the word of God or uh, assemble with, with those that are where it will be preached. Dear Father, convict them. Help them to see 
their need more than ever, help them to see the time is short, that without thee there is only fear and anguish, there is consternation, there is confusion of face, but with thee there is life, there is light, there is peace in a storm. They can have that, dear Father, if they would come under thy rule, they would humble themselves as little children. Dear Father, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who has made everything possible, who is the, the whole point, the focal point on which all of history has turned, who, who brought hope and life to light when he rose from the dead. We thank you on this day, the day that he rose. Like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I'd like to start with verse 1 of chapter 18 in the Gospel of Matthew. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye? If a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, Doth he not leave the ninety-nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, 
Then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let it be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I've concluded with up to, reading up to verse 20. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. started going through a series in, in CFG, a, a series of Bible lessons on the parables of Jesus. And um, I found it very encouraging, uh, a word that I needed to hear, as the word always knows, as the Lord always knows the word that each one of us needs to hear. And um, we've started, we covered the parable of the sower, and uh, last week we had the parable of the striving for, it's a, a setting up um, 
and, and we really do have to examine our hearts. I mean, you know, when that word is first spoken to me in my heart, I, I kind of deny it. And, well, that's not really me. I, I don't have much ambition. I'm not. I'm not really striving to to gain political prominence or, or uh, whatever. But I have to look and say, yes, the human nature, the nature of of of, of the Adam wants that. When I get acknowledged or awarded or praised in that, there is that within me that likes it. And then the Holy Spirit, which is who is so gracious, has to remind me that, no, it's not about that, Eric. It's about honoring my Heavenly Father. It's about humbling myself. As, as we're going to read in this passage, or as we have read in this passage, and we'll meditate on that, humbling myself as a little child. That's the order in the kingdom of heaven. It's becoming as a little child in order to enter. And the more that I humble myself, the more that I realize how dependent I am, how uh, much I need the Lord Jesus, how much I need my heavenly Father, the more that I will grow, the more useful I will be, the greater I will be in that kingdom. That's the example that he gives him here. It's not a parable, it's an object lesson. He calls a little child to him in the midst of these disciples who didn't understand what the kingdom of heaven really was about. He calls them, this little child comes to him and he sets it in the midst of them and says, here's the example. You want to understand the structure of the kingdom of heaven? You know, Christ could have just answered this question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, by pointing to himself because he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He is the king and the ruler, the one who um, all power on heaven and earth, as he says even on, on earth uh, at the end of Matthew, is given to him. He is the greatest. His father has given that to him. But he didn't do that. He brings this little child and gives this example. And truly, in doing that, he is showing his nature. Because Jesus did humble himself the most. He had the greatest glory. He had no sin. He had... Um, Philippians 2, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It was his, and he gave all that up. He, he, he humbled himself as a little child. And that is the, the order in the kingdom of heaven, becoming as a little child. And you and I that are hearing this, we have to understand that it, it, it requires a change, except you be converted and become as little children. This is not something naturally that happens. Little children are of the kingdom, of such is the kingdom of heaven, as he says in, in, in another gospel. The little children are, they, he said, let them come unto me. They are part of the kingdom of heaven. But as we all know, little children grow. That sin nature manifests itself. And now that I have children, um, I think I understand this a little bit more. I'm actually even a less, less, uh, you would think maybe once you have kids, you find out their real nature and how disobedient they can be at times and, or things. And, and that's true. They can be disobedient. They are human beings like you and like me. But being up close and personal with them, raising them, helps me to see this scripture a little clearer in terms of their utter dependence on me. Their, their sheer delight in running towards me to... Uh, not, not only when there's uh, like, you know, when they're 
hurt or they're distressed, but just out of that joy of, of their need, their, their, uh, their pleasure and their joy will be in the lap of their daddy. And that's how I need to be with my Heavenly Father. If my relationship is cold and stale with my Heavenly Father, I need to humble myself, I need to turn. And you, my friend, inside of Christ, you need to experience that, to be converted, to become as a little child, and thus enter the kingdom of heaven. This passage, um, it's clear. As you read it and think about all the things that he talks about, and the, the offenses, and woe unto uh, these little ones, and about the, 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 the 99, these little ones, it's clear in the passage that that is not just referring to just children. It's, it's these little ones now he's talking about who believe in me.
God's power not being sufficient to preserve us. Woe unto the world because of offenses. And I think that first woe here is a, is a, is a sadness. Of Christ looking at this fallen world and looking at it, woe. There, there, is, there is so much stumbling and so much offense being caused in a mutual kind of way that people are encouraging each other to sin or doing things, harming each other, hurting each other in a way that people then will, will stumble and, and, and fall short of the grace of God. It's so sad when he sees that. But then he says something interesting. He says, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. God in his wisdom and in a way I don't fully understand has constructed this world. He's not the author of sin, but he has made this world and he has made you and me with that free choice, that free will to choose. And as a result, offenses have come. We have an effect on other people. We uh, do things, we sin against God first and foremost, but in a way that can offend and cause other people to stumble. And that's the way the world has been created. But that, none of that puts aside that each one of us has the ability and the free choice to choose when those offenses come. But we will be responsible for our effect on other people. Woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. The beautiful thing in all this, I, I kind of muddled around here a little bit, but the, the beautiful thing is though, Christ's teaching clearly lays out the way to avoid that. The way to operate in his kingdom. The, the, the manual of, 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 of the instructions of, of discipline for his kingdom, as, as we read in this passage here, that we are going to minimize offense. Some people will be offended. Some people will choose whatever it is. Maybe we didn't mean something or intended a certain way. They'll take that. They'll be offended. And, and they will um, stumble. But the plan that God has laid out here, verses 15, about, about gaining your brother, even this parable about the 99 sheep, it's a beautiful plan so that God's kingdom can operate in a fallen world. It can flourish in a fallen world. It can overcome and actually the victory um, of, of God, uh, of Christ over sin and over the devil can be manifested here and now among us in this kingdom of heaven that's operating in each of our hearts. It's going to take some drastic things. It's going to take some reevaluation. If we want to be part of this kingdom, if we want to humble ourselves as little children and enter into this kingdom of heaven here and now, it's going to take some drastic choices. If your hand foot offends you, cut them off. It's better for you to enter into life halt and maimed than with two hands and two feet into, two feet into everlasting fire. It's going to take a reevaluation. And Jesus is not talking physical here. If we were to do that, that wouldn't solve the root of the problem. The root of the problem is a simple heart. It's a heart that, that wants to lift itself up, that wants to dispute with others and, 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 and take that importance on itself of, I am the most important I'm the one that, that, that needs to take first place. But if I enter into Christ's kingdom, if I humble myself as a little child, I will see the necessity of cutting things off, of certain things that need to go, certain things that will feed the wrong part of me, the part that needs to wither, the part that needs to die. 
no one can tell you what this is, really. I mean, people can help you, they can counsel you, they can encourage you, they can help you to be accountable, etc., etc., but no one ultimately can tell you exactly what that is. It is only God and His Spirit as it convicts you that makes you realize this is not good for me spiritually. This is not good for the kingdom of heaven. It's not causing me to grow in the kingdom of, of heaven. I need to cut it off. It's not part of the kingdom of heaven. It needs to go. Drastic action needs to be taken. If I see what I'm doing has an effect, a negative and harmful effect on other people, maybe it needs to go. That's really the context here. Woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or foot offend thee. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. Do I, in my actions and my thoughts, despise God's little ones? Not just physical children, but the ones, the little ones in his kingdom. And we're all, in, in some sense, those little ones. I think one of the ways we can despise these little ones is to write them off. I really think that's what this parable here is about the 99 sheep. It's a, the, the same parable is repeated in another gospel, in the Gospel of Luke, but it has a different emphasis there. It's talking about, about um, um, the joy in heaven over one sin that repents. Here, the end of the parable is, even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. He's talking about a little one that's trained. A little one, one of the the, the, the the sheepfold that's gone astray. And the shepherd goes after it. He rejoices. If I'm not of that heart, if, if, if I don't have that same heart towards that sheep, that little lamb that's wandering away, I am despising one of these little ones. I'm not really understanding what the kingdom of heaven is about. That it is really to save that which was lost, to preserve, to, to, to keep these little ones. It's not God's will that any of these little ones should perish. I need to understand that the heart and the mind of my Father in heaven towards my brother and sister a little bit more in order to be more effective in his kingdom where I'm just um, neglecting that, putting it on the back burner, so to speak. You know, things are difficult now. It's difficult to get together. It's difficult to reach out to other people. I need to repent of that, and I, I say that personally myself. I have to be careful that I don't despise these little ones. Not write someone off when they start wandering and straying either, because a well, lot's just one or two. You know, it's just them. They chose that way. They're straying against their own fault. The template he gives here in, in, in verses 15 to 17 of Matthew is, I think, an antidote to a lot of this. And, and if we would practice it in the way we ought to, um, with the heart of, of our Father, a lot would, would be... Uh, 
we would be availing ourselves of God's means to preserve and protect us. I think I'll, I'll say that. If we would genuinely not give in to either bitterness or to gossip, but anytime there is an offense, anytime there is something that troubles us, that we would go one or more, we'd go and, and speak to our brother, our sister, and, and, and tell them what their trespass. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. I don't think we need to expect in this process that there's going to be perfect agreement on everything and that you know we're, we're going to both walk away from that interaction that we're maybe not in 100% agreement about everything, but we have, will have heard each other and we will have accepted, we will have demonstrated that care and that understanding and that kindness for each other that is necessary to maintain and to reduce and to eliminate the offense, the stumbling. We have two options. We have this option, either doing this or being long-suffering. And a lot of the times, maybe it is the latter one, that we need to be long-suffering. It was not, nothing big, and it's just something that, that I'm willing to, to let, let go. But there are times when it's critical that I practice this, that I'm concerned for myself and for my brother, that the trespass can't just be washed away. It has long-term effects and consequences. And if I, if I neglect to do this, I am uh, not operating according to the guidelines of the kingdom. I'm, I'm not building the kingdom of heaven. And he, he lays out, he continues to lay out the, the path, the, the, the instructions. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now things get a little more serious, and we need a third perspective. On, to establish either whether it is the facts or the um, the way that, 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 that the parties are handling themselves in this interaction. We need a third point of view here. And if we are called as that third party to, to, to participate in that, we should do that. We should do it willingly and with the mind of Christ to, to be working towards restoration, to be working towards reconciliation. That's, that's the whole goal of all of this. And sadly, if that doesn't work, it needs to be brought before the church. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. And this reflects the seriousness of someone who is turning their back on, on the group of believers, those that, that are warning that individual that you don't have the right perspective on this and you are hardened. Now there needs to be a separation. Not a separation unto hatred or um, ostracism. How did Christ treat heathen people and publicans? What did he teach? He didn't teach hatred. He taught love. He taught a calling for repentance, a calling for reconciliation. That's how we need to treat those that, that need to be separated from the body because they have separated themselves in the sense of they're refusing to to hear, refusing to be reconciled, when there clearly is a trespass, there's a problem, and, and they don't want to be party of, of making it right. I pray the Lord, if, if I was ever in that situation, I pray the Lord would give me the grace, and I would find the humility to humble myself as a little child, 
that even if I don't agree with all of the facts or, or whatever the dispute may be, I would be willing to humble myself and say, all of you are more important than me. And I'm willing to do, I'm not willing to compromise the truth, but I'm willing to do whatever it takes on my part to restore, to love my brother, to de demonstrate love. Here, we're talking about someone who's neglecting to hear the church. I don't really, I'm not interested in what all of you have to say at that point. And at that point, you're acknowledging really the reality of that individual has separated themselves. They're no longer part of the commonwealth of faith. What we do and the decisions we make as, as a church body, they do have consequences. Um, I don't know if I fully understand this passage, but I think the best thing is to take it simply as it is. Whatsoever he shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever he shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I don't think we need to take that in the sense of, of we have some sort of um, magic keys or something that whatever we do here, God has to follow up and, and, and just follow what we do. That's not the way. The kingdom of heaven is ruled by a king. He is the one with the ultimate authority. And, and anytime anyone does something outside of that rule and that authority, they're not part of the kingdom of heaven. And I dare say, even anytime a church would make a decision that is not according to the word of God, that is not part of the, this, this, what this is talking about here. Any decision a church makes, it needs to be founded and based on the Word of God. And then it has consequences. It has um, eternal consequences. And I think maybe just one of the easiest ways to understand that is one day we will stand before the judge of all the earth. And if I have not... Um, Desired to be reconciled with my brothers and sisters, what am I going to say before the Lord on that day? If I've not desired to be um, to help and to to work with and to to humble myself, how am I going to stand before the Lord on that day and make excuse for my behavior? The one who shed His blood for each one of us who call on His name, how am I going to return to Him and say? That process was too painful and too difficult for me. I just walked away from it. I just didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore. No thanks. We will stand before a perfect and holy Lamb of God who humbled himself to the point of death, who gave himself for us on that day. And, and uh, everything that we've done that has not aligned, has not been in that pattern of, of Jesus Christ, will be ashamed of it, brothers and sisters. Here's the beautiful thing. Even here and now, even here and now, if any of you, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Here and now there is hope, excuse me, there is, a, a, there is power, there is spiritual power from two or three of us, even just two or three of us, let alone seven, eight of us here in this room, getting together and praying and asking God for something, something spiritual, something according to His will, He will do it. And there is time and chance now to reconcile, to heal, even if we've said things, if we've done things that were offending other people that caused them to stumble, if there's sin that was committed, even here and now, 
there's hope. Two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done. When two hearts, just even just two people, meet around the promises in God's word, the, the nature and the character of, of Jesus Christ, and agree on that basis, there is real power in that. Um, and that's the kind of power that we should really be desiring. Not, let's name it and claim it, let's, let's ask the Lord for a, a bigger building or a, the Lord knows all those things. I don't mean to make light of them. But the thing that I should be delighting in as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is that spiritual power. The power of a changed life. The power of, of love, of kindness, of um, truth to reach in and change people. That's the power that I should be delighting in. That's the power that my heavenly father wants to display in me. The power of reconciliation, the power of finding that, that, that lamb that was lost and strained. The one who had a good beginning but seems to be muddled and, and tied up and confused. That one God can restore. He can restore me when I'm confused, when I'm running from him. I need to realize the power of getting together with another person to pray about that, to agree on the promises that we've been given. It shall be done for them, my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's really what sustains me. Um, moments like this. That's what sustains me in uh, my concerns and fears for the future of our church or for Christianity as a whole in these difficult times is the presence of Jesus Christ. We don't have to have everything right. We can acknowledge that we are poor little children who have a lot of needs, who don't understand so much. But if we have gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ, we have the best thing. We have the presence of Jesus, that the thing that, that the world doesn't have. And this same Jesus is the one who will triumph, who, who, whose kingdom will spread to the ends of the earth. If we gather in his name, and that's not just a matter of saying some words or at the beginning of the service or, or, or appending some words to the end of a statement. No, gathering in his name means in his character, in his nature, based on what he said, all the things that he's taught. That's gathering in his name. And any, any group of believers that does that, I don't care who they are, where they're from, uh, what nation under heaven that they are part of, they will have the presence of Jesus in a special way and that will sustain. To me, it underscores the importance of us being connected to each other and gathering.
together. Whether that's physically, whether that's online, if we want to, to claim that promise of, of, of the presence of, of the Lord Jesus Christ among us, we have to do that together in his name. May the Lord bless the, the preaching of his word that's done in weakness, that's done in, in fear. May he help us to see the, the nature of this kingdom of heaven, this glorious kingdom that one day will, will encompass heaven and earth. That will, will, um, there will be a new heaven and earth, but this kingdom of heaven will extend, will, will, will be manifested. May he help us to see the nature of that and to make the difficult choices here and now with the help of, of the Lord Jesus Christ to cut off, to, 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 to leave those things that aren't part of the kingdom, that are causing offense, that are, um, that are detrimental. And even before that, as, the, as the, the fundamental and the basic thing, may he help us to see that we're little children, that we really don't have it all together. We have great, great needs. And all we need to do is to run towards Him. Just run towards Him. He'll provide. As a good Father does. This morning we spoke about the nature of the Kingdom of Heaven in the, in the sense of, of how it operates and the way that we um, Offenses are, are, are um, such a cause for concern and a serious matter that drastic action needs to be taken on our part to not offend. We spoke about God's plan to reconcile brothers and sisters. What we didn't speak about too much was this last hymn here. Um, part of the reason I chose it is the nature of the kingdom. That one of my favorite passages says about. Uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but it is, is righteousness and, and, and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I didn't misquote that. To be a lamb of that good shepherd, to be a son or a daughter of that good father, how good it is to be. And that, my friend, outside of Christ, you have humbled yourself to be that little child, that's what you're missing out on even here in the midst of chaos and turmoil and uncertainty and fear and isolation, etc., etc. To, to know that Jesus, the lover of your soul, cares for you, daily tends for you, that he's your good shepherd, that you will not want, that you have everything uh, that you need. That's what you're missing out on. And it, all it takes is for you to humble yourself and to realize your great My prayer this morning is that you would realize that, my friend, outside of Christ, what you're missing, and that it is a simple matter of crying out to the Lord. And my brother and sister in Christ, I pray that you would realize too this morning what great treasure you have in this kingdom of heaven, and that it is um, the key to partaking and understanding of that treasure is to, to humble yourself, to continue to humble yourself as a little child. God has wonderful things in store for us, not only in eternity, but here and now as we experience um, that joy and that communion with Him 
We conclude this service now in his name and we commend you to God's grace.